0: Good morning. Welcome to Bethel. You guys can have a seat. I'm curious how many of you like are into the whole pumpkin carving decorating thing. Did you guys do that this weekend? Okay. Okay. So I love time hop. If you don't know what that is, it just brings up pictures from your past. And this week I was reminded nine years ago, um, we were in Costa Rica and pumpkins aren't like a thing there. People don't really do anything with them. If they're if you see a pumpkin, it's imported. And I was so excited because at the grocery store, I found a little bag of five little pumpkins and me and Lily were just super excited. So I'm in the checkout line and a lady behind me is like, so what are you going to cook with those? Cause they're just these tiny little pumpkins, you know? And I said, oh, well, actually I'm not going to cook anything. We're just going to decorate them. And she gave me a strange look. And then she looked at Ray and she goes, well, how lazy How lazy. She's just going to decorate them? So if you were lazy and just decorated pumpkins, oh, I have a picture to prove this, actually. Look at cute little five-year-old Lily with our five little pumpkins that we decorated there in Costa Rica. And so those, that was my time hop this week, nine years ago. So if you um, are visiting with us today, and whether you were super lazy and decorated pumpkins, or if you were not so lazy and just sat on the couch, we're super glad that you're here. Uh, we would love to connect with you guys. And the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, which is mybethel.cc connect. Or if you're in the building, on the seat back in front of you, there's a QR code right there. Just give us some information so we can reach out to you this week and see how we can serve you better or answer any questions so we are starting a new series today called Bethel Cares and you know that's the beauty of a church family is because we can work together to care for people in our community instead of just alone trying to be like oh how can I help what what should I do because together we're so much better right we can do so much more so let's get started on um, week one of Bethel Cares
1: Good morning, Bethel. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. We're going to jump right in this morning. As, uh, as you know, we have a few extra things going on today. Operation Christmas Child. We also um, are working through a few things with our Bethel kids upstairs. And so we want to jump right in week one of Bethel Cares. And we're going to start today with our church, you know, the Church of Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago, and the whole point of it is to bring hope and unity to a world that is not unified and a world that is just divided. The, the point of that, I want to read two scriptures in Ephesians, one in chapter 3, one in chapter 4, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be there the rest of the morning. But the church of Jesus was born for the point of unifying and giving hope to a world that is not unified in a world that's hopeless. I'd like to pray for us. We'll jump to these scriptures, and then we'll get started, all right? Uh, God, this morning, we are really excited about what you're doing in our church. We're excited about how um, our church is reaching into our community and other parts of our, our nation and our world. God, I pray that as we focus over the next few weeks about um, how we can get involved, how we can care, that your spirit would open our hearts, that you direct us. We know that, that you have given us gifts to be able to use to serve the world, and I pray that today we'd be able to see our part and our place and our, the way you fit us together in the body. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says this, "'God's purpose in all this was to use the church "'to display his wisdom in its richest, rich variety "'to all the unseen rulers and authorities "'in the heavenly places.'" This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the purpose of the church we see right here, um, we could go back through Ephesians and we can kind of read through the, the narrative of Ephesians. But this was written by Paul. He wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. And the whole point of this is he was trying to describe what the church was all about. Um, but it was the purpose of the church is visible and it's invisible. It's a f- spiritual thing and a physical thing. And The church was to show to to really show off and showcase God's wisdom, to showcase his prized possession, the people that make up the church, and to put it on display before the supernatural and the natural world. Ephesians 4.16 says this, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the gathering of God's people has to do more than just singing and worshiping and listening to a sermon. It's the, it's the coming together of unlikely people to display to the universe what God is doing in the hearts of men and women. So if you look around this room and if you encounter people in our community, in our church, you'll say, man, this is just a bunch of different misfit people and how are we all together in this one place with different ideologies and philosophies and and, uh, different religious backgrounds, different political affiliations. It's just like God has brought a, a collective of people together and this gathering has to do with care. This gathering has to do with something for us and for others. So as we start this new season at Bethel, We want to make sure that we're known for more that we're for than known for the things that we're against. You know how many churches you go to or how many times you hear a message or you hear things, we shouldn't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And actually the message of Jesus is inviting into the process to actually encourage and care for the world, not only for one another, but also for the people around us. It's to be known as a loving and a unified place where God shows off what he does best one that cares for one another and loves one another. So during this season, we're going to highlight four different areas of care, and then we're going to wrap it up with a fifth week on how we're going to do this, how we're going to get involved. But the, the four areas you saw in the, the intro video is just the care for our community, the, uh, sorry, for our church, that's where we're going to start today. We're also going to talk about the care for our community, we're going to talk about the care for our nation, and then we're going to talk about the care for our world. And these are progressive cares as God has placed you in the body or in the family or in the church depending on what you use to describe this religious, spiritual experience. Um, Paul, specifically writing this letter, he uses several different words to describe what's happening here. In and, and chapter 3, the word church shows up. Well, then in chapter four, the word body shows up. And and the description through scripture, you can can see the description as like sheep, or you can see a description as family. You can see the description as kingdom. There's several different describers that talk about what's happening here. Now, we've come up with this word in modern English as church. And although the word church is understood today about, like, I'm going to go to church, a lot of people have confused, and most of us as well, confused church for this building, because the word church actually has to do with something of a structure. Uh, But the original word in Greek is the word ekklesia, and this word ekklesia actually means a gathering, an assembly of people. It's a people group, believers, really those that are anywhere in a village, anywhere in a city, that are united in one body, but then you also see the word, and that's the word ecclesia, and today we call it church, but that's really an improper word. We'll talk about that here in a second. And then you see the word body, and this is a word that is called it is soma, and it's it's used for a large or small number of men and women closely united into one society, family, social, ethic, ethical, mystical body, so as in the New Testament gathering of believers. And so you see the word body and you see the word church. Both of things were used in order to describe what God was doing. Now, if you look in the book of Acts, the word church does not appear in the first part of Acts. It actually talks about the way, the followers of the way, because the followers of the way were specifically following the way of Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and so they were called the followers of the way. They were called Christians later on, and then this idea of the church, the ecclesia, was an actually called out gathering of people that were believers. So we miss out on this original meeting because we say, I'm going to go to church. Um, throughout the week, I tell Christy, hey, Christy, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the church. And I'm not saying I'm going to go to a church meeting or a church gathering. What I'm telling her, and she understands it, I'm going to the structure that's on Sarah and Wagner. And many of you are like, I'm going to get up and go to church. What do you mean by that? Do you mean I'm just going to go to this building on Sarah and Wagner? I assume, because that's what we mean when we say the word Church. What we have to understand as we work through Ephesians, specifically chapter 4, to understand the guide and and the purpose of the church. Ephesians was written by Paul, and he wanted to celebrate and elevate the body of people that were on display for the glory of God. He was wanting to elevate and give us kind of a, a guidepost or a lane to follow in order for us to actually see that there's Jewish people, the chosen people of God, as well as this group of people called the Gentiles that Jesus opened the door to redeem. Uh, If you're a non-Jewish person, you're a Gentile, in order to join together to show the incredible work that God does to redeem mankind through this organization that today we call the church. It was not a political gathering, but a spiritual gathering. We want to pick up in chapter 4. We're going to start reading verse 1, and we're going to read through half the, the chapter this morning. But specifically, we're going to talk about the care of the church. As, as I was reading, uh, as I was preparing for this message, I had a tendency to, to try to move beyond the internal care that it takes in order to be healthy in our community, in our nation, in our world. Because a lot of times we say, okay, how do we show care? This right here, the Operation Christmas Child, is one example of care But this is not care for our church. This is actually care outside of our church. This is actually care for our world and maybe our nation. So a lot of us think, okay, to be a caring person, i got to focus outside. But there's so many of us that have neglected our own personal care that we're not healthy enough to be able to care for the long term of the people that need our care. And so today we're going to specifically focus on the inside. We're going to focus on this internal thing uh, in our own lives, but also in our church family, in our church body. Next week we'll talk about our community and so on. We have a couple guest speakers that are going to be here that are church planners and also missionaries. They're going to help us identify our care for our nation and our world. It says there in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to leave a li- lead a life worthy of your calling. You have been called for you have been called by God. Number one, this is Paul. You remember he's a slave because he's, he's been imprisoned, but he's also, um, he's serving Christ. Now he says prisoner for serving the Lord because he was so vocal about serving God, he got thrown into prison a couple times and actually ended up uh, losing his life in prison. So this right here is a prison, what they call a prison epistle, meaning he wrote it from prison. It says right here, for you've been called by God. Verse two, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have, seen, have you been called to the glorious hope of the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Here in these first uh, first six verses, we actually see the church defined by Paul. He's talking about the unification of Jews and Gentiles, and then he's talking about this gather specifically, and when we come together, how are we supposed to act? when we come together. What's supposed to be our response? How are we supposed to care for one another? And he gives us a whole bunch of things to work on. Actually, you could spend the rest of the year that's left and all next year working on just these first three verses because it's stuff that's internal and it's stuff that's a mind shift in our, in our heads. So if you notice the source of the call, the source of the call to unity is from God. It's not just a pastor saying it or it's not just an apostle saying it. It's actually God. He says, you have been called in order to do these things. The direction and purpose is actually a unifying effort, unity. And then he talks about the rules of engagement, humility, gentleness, patience, accommodating others' faults. And then the binding agent overall is peace. This, this peace of shalom, this peace of something internal, that's, almost, that's the idea of wholeness. It's not just like peace, like we lift our fingers and say peace. It's more wholeness of a person. Today we see too many divisions and fights and discord and arrogance and bitterness and nastiness and attitudes that are not becoming of the family of God. When, when, when one person gets upset with another person, all we have to do is hop over to another group of believers in town and abandon the one that we're a part of until we get upset with them and then we move on and do the same thing over and over and over again. Because we've forgotten what it's like to be humble, gentle, forgiving, and accommodating people's faults. If, if you haven't figured it out yet... Bethel is full of people that are just a mess. And you're like, who is that? And you're looking around and you should go like this. <laughs> right here. Okay? Now you can point your fingers at me and you'd be right. You can point your fingers to the right or the left, you'd be right. But then you can take them all and you can point them at yourself, because we're all a mess. And we forget about the mess that we live in. And the the way that most of us want to deal with our mess is to focus on other people's mess. Because if I can focus on your mess, then maybe I don't have to work on my mess. And what Paul is calling us to is listen. You need to focus inside with humility and gentleness and patience and accommodating for other people's faults. Never has there been more options for church than any other time in history. All you got to do is take a quick drive around town. We have denominational churches and non-denominational churches and churches under a tent and churches in a barn and churches in a store and churches at the movies and churches in a school. And you can do church at home and you can do cyber church and church online. You can do church in the woods on your phone and device. That's the way we've defined church, it's just everywhere. And you have so many options. The fact is that you can have church your way because our world is set up to be consumeristic and choice-driven. We have all bought into capitalism church. As long as I feel good and it's meeting my needs, that's the church I want to be a part of. That's not the church Jesus died for. You know, Jesus told us over and over again, you must die. You must give up your life. If you want to follow me, take up your cross. You need to love one another sacrificially. It's all the gross stuff that nobody wants to do because we want to say it's all about me, but it's not. I I want to clarify, I love our modern buildings and our air conditioning. Today, heat maybe. I, I love that. I love our modern worship and the sounds and the padded seats and the screens, and I love the Bible on our smartphones and websites and apps, and I love the classes for our kids and nursery as our kids are cared for and they can learn more about Jesus. And I I think because we have gone to church so long, we have forgotten what the church is all about. It's a gathering of people wherever it happens. It's a worship of our God wherever it happens. It's about finding Jesus wherever that may happen. It's about following Jesus wherever that may happen. It's the gathering and uniting of God's people. It's the gathering and it's the uniting of Jesus' bride that he is perfecting. It is the gathering and the uniting for love. And if you think that we come to church in order to consume, we've missed the most of what Jesus wants to do because once I encounter people that are different than me, I have the opportunity to be humble and to be gentle and to be patient and to accommodate other people's faults. But what we end up doing is, especially on social media, we end up pointing each other out and dividing and fighting and hating. Aren't you tired of all the hate on social media right now? And a lot of it's coming from the church, and that's so sad. Verse 4, For there is one body and one spirit, just have you been called into one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. So what's the word that stands out in these three verses? One. One. It's unity, but it's not uniformity. It's unity, but we don't all have to look alike or sound alike or talk alike or act alike. But it's Unity. It doesn't mean that we're all the same. But we all have one spirit. We all have one hope. We all have one Lord. We all have one Savior. And our God is over all. Then we see the church in action there in verse 7. He says, However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights... He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also ascended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So we see here right out the gate about what the church is supposed to do, kind of the church in action is, number one, it's not about you. It's all about? Oh, thank you, Rick. Oh, man, man, he's just like on it. He's on it. Okay, we're going to do that again because this is like our normal thing. It's been a while, right? It's been a while. We forgot? Okay. So it's not about you, it's all about? Oh, there we go, see? Did you see the beginning that our Jesus was God? He gave up his Godness, came to this earth, he descended to this earth as a man, and then scripture says he even went lower, he was buried. But then when he ascended, he ascended higher than everything so he could fill the entire universe with himself. This is a God that is way bigger than anything we can even describe. If you think that you can get Jesus and you can put him in a box and you can tell everything about him, you don't know Jesus. He is indescribable. He's untamable. He is way bigger than anything you could imagine. And yet he wants a relationship with you and he takes up residence in your heart. It's always going to be about Jesus. Always. But then it's not about you. It's about others man rick is just like hmm hmm mm. he used to be a pastor he still is so so if if you're in church and anybody asks you a question you can always usually say jesus or others and you'll probably get it right okay like 90% of the time so if someone asks you a question you say jesus oh that's right that's right that's right so it's not about you it's all about jesus it's not about you it's all about others, others. always Jesus is the starter and the finisher of the church he came to this earth he gave his life on the cross he rose from the dead he ascended to heaven he is our attorney before God and the church is made up of people men and women these people that God has given gifts in order to encourage the church these gifts came from Jesus and they're for his purpose in our world in other words the church is made up of people who do stuff The church is made up of people who do stuff. That's a theological statement I just made up. (laughs) Without doing stuff, without you doing stuff, the church will never move forward or become healthy and grow. That's what we see in this passage. Here's the the interesting thing, is that we've relegated the stuff to full-time professionals in church. Instead of realizing that each of us have been given a gift personally, to encourage the church body. Church leaders are not the only ones who are supposed to do stuff. Verse 12 clearly says that church leaders' responsibility is to equip people to do the work. So it's us doing the work along with everyone else. Here at Bethel, we have incredible opportunities. I was looking over our volunteer list, the people that are involved in ministry, and I'm, I'm really blown away how, how generous with your time you guys are. Um, we, have a, we have incredible people that are doing incredible work here in the ministry. Uh, we're blessed with incredible part- participation together. And many of you that are, that are checking out Bethel and trying to be a part of Bethel, one thing you'll learn here very quickly is that we don't want you to sit. We want you to serve because that's what you were made to do. You weren't made to sit. You were made to serve. And so there's plenty of opportunities. I want to give you just a couple opportunities right now that you can jump, in, jump into. Um, at Bethel, there's some people that serve every single week in a specific ministry. There's some people that serve every other week in a certain ministry. There's some people that serve just once a month in a ministry. Uh, one of these areas is Bethel Kids. Upstairs and right over here to, the, to, the, to my right, we have a bunch of babies over here, and God has blessed us with a bunch of babies, and it takes about 10 spots per week to take care of our Bethel babies. So there's opportunities for 10 people every single week to care for our Bethel babies. Well, if that's not enough, you can go upstairs with our Bethel kids. We have a a pre-K class, we have a K through one class, and then we have the older kids. And there's 18 people that serve every single week upstairs and in our check-in. And so there's plenty of opportunity. We actually are recruiting people right now that have the passion and the gifting to work with kids, because it's not everybody. If you hate kids, don't go to Bethel Kids. I mean, please don't do that. We're not even asking you to. But if you love kids and you just smile and they run by and you're like, that's awesome, that's the next generation, you have an opportunity to change the diaper of future pastors and future, future, future speakers. And you have the opportunity to change diapers of people that are going to be leading worship. And, and someday when you're old and you're a curmudgeon and grumpy, you can say, I used to change your diaper. You could say that, but in order to say that, you got to get in there and work, Okay. <laughs> So we have opportunities over here, we have opportunities upstairs, and then all over the building. It's amazing how many people that are involved to make this happen. Even those of you that are at home watching online, there's people that make that happen. That's not just some gnomes that are running around doing stuff, it's actual people. From filling toilet paper, to cleaning toilets, to welcoming you into the parking lot, to taking care of seats and envelopes and everything. There's plenty to do, so why not get involved? Next thing we see in this passage is verse 13, is the church protected. It says right there, verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. So what will continue? It's the the coming together, the equipping, the building, the growing. That'll all still happen, and it'll continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we will be mature... This is another word for perfect, and that's a hard word to live up to, but the word mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The promise of Jesus is that you will be conformed to his image every single day. Tomorrow you'll look more like Jesus than you do today. And you'll be like, I don't feel like it. Well, it's a long process. It's a long journey. And it says right here, it will continue until this unity happens. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. The more you love and lead one another, the less likely you'll get distracted by the tricks of the enemy. The more you love and lead one another, the less likely you'll get distracted by the tricks of the enemy, because you can't be distracted by the tricks of the enemy when you're focused on serving and loving those around you. The amazing thing is that there's always some new fad or phase or belief that floats around, especially in our capitalism church society. People claim to have a corner of the market on the truth. Jesus tells us that he is the truth. He is the life and he is the way. And as we unify with one another and we come together in this bonding of peace, we actually protect one another from being tricked by the teachings that go against God's plan for us. No matter how many times, and I don't do this, I don't ever go trick-or-treating, but my kids, I ask them, so trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat. I don't know if they still say that. When I was a kid, it was like, trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat, give me something good to eat, you know. And it's like, nobody wanted the trick, they just wanted the treat. Has anybody ever done the, done the trick? I, I don't, maybe you guys do the trick. I don't know. I've never seen it. We only want the treat. And I think when we come to church, what happens is all of us just want the treat, but if we don't participate in what's happening in the glory of God, we're going to be tricked by the enemy. It'll happen. The church unified is the next thing we see, verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This truth and love thing is very complicated, and it's a difficult thing to understand and to actually live out because when we unify, we'll be more in tune with the truth. And as we unify, we'll be more in tune with love. And when we encourage one another and sometimes even call out one another in truth and love, it'll be based on the love and truth that we know from Jesus. It's the the stuff that's behind love is not ego or pride or misinformation or pain or guilt or shame. It's actually the unity and love that Jesus has offered us on the cross. It's always and only ever been about Jesus. He is the only one who places us in the body to do the work that he's called us to do. So we can trust his placement. We can trust his, we can like actually elevate where he has placed us in the body. We can celebrate where he's placed us in the body. You need to be about your special work. You are valuable to the body of Christ on this corner for a healthy, growing, and full church. There's a word that kind of encompasses this whole idea in the original Greek, which is the word oikodome, oikodome. And this is the unifying growth and value to the body. And it takes two different words and it merges them together. And it's the idea of the whole family unified to promote growth and value. You are important and God has gifted you and he has placed you here for a specific purpose. And you can't just say, well, someone else will do it. That's not the way it works. You have a special gift from God that only you fill. And when you're not here, that gift is not filled. And it's not guilting you into being here. That's not the point. The point is when you're here, exercise the gift God has given you and realize that you're important. All this takes time, effort, and even money. How do you become unified in our family, in the Bethel family? We've, been, we've identified five different points of engagement and they, they scroll on our screens all the time and we've got them posted and most of it is like we don't see it anymore because we're just used to seeing it. So I just want to run through them real fast. This really encompasses what it means to be engaged at Bethel. The first thing is connected. Connected to God and others. We need you to be connected to God in order for you to connect with others. If you're not connected to others or God, that's what we want you to do is start there. Connect with God and others. The second thing is to serve through the gifting that, that Jesus has given you. There's plenty of places to serve. When, when Bethel first started and even uh, five years ago, we were like begging people, please, we need you to do this. And we were putting people in spots just because we needed them there. Well, now we're growing a little bit and we're a little more mature and now we want you to find the spot that God wants you. Where does God want you? And you're like, I don't know. Well, just start trying stuff. Say, I'm not sure if I'm good with kids. Give it a shot. After the first week, you may be like, nope, not for me. That's okay. You can move on to something else. But there's plenty of places to serve and even places that we're not doing right now that you think God may lead you towards. So serving is really important. The next thing is bringing. Once you become part of the family, you can't help but talk about it and begin to bring people with you. It's like going to a new restaurant or some bakery or something, you're like, oh man, I gotta tell people about this, so good. So you begin to talk about it. And so if you've experienced life at Bethel, it's contagious, you begin bringing people with you. And then the, the fourth area is giving. This is finances. And yes, it's uncomfortable to talk about money, but God knows when he has your heart, he has your money. And here at Bethel, there's many of us that give, and some give sacrificially, but then there's many of us that don't give at all. And all that we're inviting you to do is to participate in the, in the financial part of Bethel. It costs money to run lights, it costs money to have staff members, it costs money to do what we do, and that stuff helps at Bethel, it helps in our community, it helps in our nation, and it helps all over the world. Because once you participate with your finances, it will help us move forward. Then the last thing, number five, is to commit 24-7. A lot of people think that church is a Sunday thing. A one hour, two hours on Sunday. But actually, church is life. We, we commit to Jesus seven days a week. So when I'm at work and I say, man, what am I doing today? Hey, Jesus, help me. Or I'm on my way to work and I'm ticked off with the driver in front of me. Jesus, help me. And I'm at my uh, back home from after a long day of work and my kids are ticking me off. Jesus, help me. It's just like Jesus is everything seven days a week. And so once you are connected... Once you are serving, once you are bringing, once you are giving, and once you're committing, you're a part of the Bethel family. That's being engaged in the Bethel family. And really, that's being engaged in any church. The last part of the verse says, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let me pray for you. God, this morning we are grateful for giving us a family to belong to and a body to participate in. That we don't have to be just some non-working non-functioning part but that each person can find their place and as we think about how Bethel cares about our church we understand that we need to be healthy in order to reach out and so God today I, I pray that your spirit would draw people in that would draw our hearts towards you that we would be that we would understand and discern what you'd have us do serving in our kids' ministry, serving on our host team, maybe even a total new ministry that we don't know anything about, that you're drawing people to Bethel in order to fulfill that in our body. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We are in awe that you would even look at us. We see that you fill the entire universe and beyond. And yet you care about us individually. You care about the people that make up this family, that make up your bride. Jesus, draw us closer to yourself, and I ask that you give us a gentle, humble, forgiving, and accommodating spirit as we work with one another, as we love one another, as we love one another and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. We are so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Man, uh, a few years ago, I heard somebody say, the church has left the building. Yeah. I love the idea of like, it's not about the building, let's go. And I have to give a shout oh. out super quick. Yes. I have to acknowledge the fact that you worked the words trick or treat seamlessly into your that. message today. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, that was a good job. That was a good job. Who knew? It was like a dare.
1: It wasn't even in my notes, but that's really uh, huh? That's oh, yeah. good job. Good job. Okay.
0: All right. Don't forget if you want to get a box and get involved in this yes, ministry and uh, the, make it happen. Yes. Okay. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Uh, Have a great—we'll see you in a few hours, right? But have a great day, great week. And remember here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus.
1: Have a great one. Love you guys.